0: Good morning. I'm glad to be here today, and I'm glad that you're here today. Isn't it a beautiful change in weather that we get a little cool weather now? I like that. My wife doesn't prefer the cool weather, but I like the change. Have you thought about Thanksgiving yet? Been thinking about making your plans for where you're going to go and what you're going to do? Uh, Some of you are already thinking about Christmas, I understand. Been doing all your shopping and getting ready, trying to get that behind you and all. There's all kinds of things we think about this, this time of year, aren't there? Did you think about Jesus any this week? Did Jesus ever cross your mind? I mean Jesus, not church. You thought about coming to church or you wouldn't be here today, right? Get up this morning, and go, yeah, we got to go to church, you know, get ready. Let's go to church. But did you think about Jesus? You say, well, I studied my Bible this week. Well, that's good. Think about the Bible. But did you think about Jesus? Did Jesus Christ ever cross your mind? You see, it's Jesus that saves us. It's not the church. The church are saved people. The church doesn't save anyone. It's Jesus that saves us. It's not the Bible. The Bible tells us about the Jesus that saves us. But the Bible doesn't save us. Jesus saves us. It's Jesus that saves us, not some particular doctrinal belief. Now, it may be true that saved people believe certain things, but it's not those certain things that they believe that saves us. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus saves us. Now, the title of my sermon is Christianity Without Christ. Is that possible? And I got the idea from something that was published by a a fellow who's a theologian, used to be a Catholic priest. Now he's a non-religious theologian. And he said this. When believers and non-believers are working together, the God thing doesn't matter a bit. It's just a backdrop to the issues in the real world. He says, you know what? If we just get along and we work together and we got some project we're going to do, you know, we're going to build a hospital or we're going to do something for orphan kids or whatever it is, the God thing doesn't make any difference. Just as long as you all work together, you can all work together, that's what matters. And God is really not relevant to this world that we live in. Jesus doesn't matter. Just the things that you do matter. And thus we're beginning to see alliances. This idea is really gaining prevalence in the world. We're beginning to see alliances between churches that have very divergent views doctrinally. We're beginning to see alliances between Christian groups and Muslim groups. Or Christian groups and atheist groups. And they're, they're all doing things together. What do you think about that? You think we can do that? You think we should? You think we shouldn't? What do you think? You know, Yancey always teases me about... Last week, I was supposed to speak, and uh, Bruce Kessler was in town. He spoke in my place. And we had kind of a light crowd last week. And Yancey said, well, everyone's expecting you to preach. He said, will not you preach in my place next week? And I said, okay, I'll preach next week. He said, shh, don't tell anyone. (laughs) Because he wanted everyone to come. And he teases me about that. If the apostle Peter were here this morning instead of me, would you have come? Oh, yeah, you'd say, yeah, (laughs) I'll be there if Peter's going to be there, right? I mean, I would show up if one of the apostles were going to be there. You ever think, as a preacher, I think about this stuff. What do you think they'd preach about if Peter or Paul were here today? What do you think would be the topic of their sermon? I think I've got some ideas. Peter said this when he preached. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. You know what Peter preached about when he went around? He preached about Jesus. He talked about Jesus. Now, he knew Jesus personally, which is a little different than us. I mean, we know Christ, but we didn't like sit around a campfire with Jesus and eat fish like, like uh, Peter did. But he talked about Jesus when he preached. But he's not the only one. The scriptures say Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. The guy's reading out of the Old Testament some passage. You notice what he didn't do is he didn't open the scriptures and at that point began to preach the difference in the covenants to him. That wasn't his he preached about Jesus. Now does the difference in the covenants matter? Yeah, we need to learn and know and understand that. But his focus the focus of the New Testament preachers was Jesus. It wasn't just him. Paul said, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. When Paul preached, if he was here today, he would talk to you about Jesus. It says, daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ, they preached Jesus everywhere they went. Paul said, always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. He talked about Jesus. That's what they preached about. Now, let me ask you again. Did you think about Jesus this week? Can you be a Christian and never think about Christ? Rarely. I mean, you think about the religion and the church and the you ought to do this and say your prayers. When we end all our prayers in Jesus name, right? That's what you that doesn't mean you thought it doesn't mean he crossed your mind. Let me ask you this. If a church would be basically the same if you removed Jesus entirely from it, in what way can you call that Christian? Would this church be any different if we just took Jesus out of the equation? Or would we be the same? Would we still meet here and do our thing? You know, they have churches for unbelievers, church for non believers. That's a thing now. They go and they sing songs and they have motivational speakers and they all stand around and shake hands and get all the things they think Christians get for coming to church. Would we still do that if we took Jesus out of it? It's not Christian if you take Jesus out. Look at Scripture with me. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father Except through me. There's a reason we call it Christianity. And not churchianity. We're not about the church. We're about the Savior. The central part of our life. Is not about the organization. We call the church. It's not about building some knowledge. Of of doctrinal issues. It's about the Savior Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the one. That it's all about. He's the central dividing line between you and other religions and other peoples. There's Christians on one side and there's non Christians on other. Did you know that most non believers would tell you that murder and theft and adultery is wrong? I mean there are a few who would say it's okay, but most of them would say murder is wrong and theft is wrong and adultery is wrong. But they don't believe in Jesus. I could preach a fantastic sermon about how husbands ought to love their wives and treat their wives right and all. And that sermon would be perfectly welcome in a Jewish synagogue or a Muslim mosque or a Hindu temple as long as I don't mention Jesus. But when I start talking about Jesus, that changes things, you see, because Jesus is what makes us different than all the other religions in the world, than all the other beliefs. Most atheists think you ought to be a good person. Most atheists would say you ought to be nice to people and you ought to do good things for people. You shouldn't be mean. Most atheists would tell you that. Hindus and pagans, they worship a higher power. It's not Christianity. It's not God, but they worship a higher power. Islam worships the God of Abraham. Is that the God you worship? It's God I worship. Israel, the Jews, they worship Jehovah God. Same God that we know of in the Bible. They accept the law of Moses as from God. Do you? So what's the difference? Well, the difference between us and Israel. Everyone else in the world is just Jesus Christ. Look at this. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. You know what that means, Christy? It means there's going to be trouble at home if you stand up for Jesus. Means those who take a stand for Jesus Christ and Jesus is central in their life. And it's not just we try to be good people and we try to live a good life in front of our friends and our family and all and and just be an example that there's nothing wrong with being an example. You need to be an example, but you got to talk about Jesus because Jesus is what's central. Jesus is what divides. Look at this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. You see, he says there's this huge, significant difference... Between a Christian and a non-Christian. A believer and a non-believer. And the way he describes it is this. On one side you have light, righteousness, Christ, believers, and the temple of God. On the other side he calls it lawlessness, darkness, belial, unbelievers, and idols. The defining difference between those two is not whether they do good deeds for people. It's not whether they'd help you if you were broke down on the side of the road. It's not whether they go and assemble somewhere with other people of like faith. The defining difference in all of those is Jesus Christ. And the Bible is very plain. The Bible doesn't mince words. The preachers in the New Testament were honest. And they weren't hateful and they weren't mean. But they were were honest in saying, this is important. You need to listen to this. This makes a difference because Jesus Christ is the dividing line between eternity and heaven with God. And eternity in hell. It's not just another, well, you can believe that, and I can believe this, and it matters eternally. My stance about Jesus Christ. And we're not talking about my stance about divorce and remarriage and all the details about that. We're not talking about my stance of, and I'm not saying that stuff's not important. What I am saying is we got to get our life right with Jesus. You see, Jesus is the center focus of the life of a Christian. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ? I do. I believe that's true. And I believe as I stand before a judgment seat someday. It's not going to be the judgment seat of Barack Obama or the judgment seat of Donald Trump. It's going to be the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. It won't be the judgment seat of Joseph Smith. It won't be the judgment seat of Muhammad or Buddha. It will be the judgment seat Of Jesus Christ and because it will be the judgment seat of Jesus. Jesus is the defining dividing line between a Christian and everyone and everything else. Look at a couple of things here with me. Does your salvation have anything to do with Jesus? Does Jesus have anything to do with your salvation? You say, well, yes, absolutely. Jesus died for our sins. What's the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Could you tell me the gospel? For years, I thought the gospel was believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. I thought that was the gospel. Did you know that's not the gospel? That's the plan of salvation. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is... The truth is you're not right with God and he's going to punish you for being in rebellion against him. But Jesus came and died in your place. You know what the gospel is? Summary, I wrote it up here in crayon right there. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the gospel. Jesus died for your sins and you can be forgiven of sin. That's the good news. No matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. God will save you. That's the gospel. Somebody says, well, what about here? Believe, repent, confess and be baptized. What about that stuff? Well, what about it? What do you believe? What does the Bible teach that you have to believe? You know, faith in in and of itself won't save anyone. You might have tremendous faith that. I don't know. Jacob. Jacob. Is the world's best airplane pilot. Your faith doesn't make that true. Does it? Jacob's never flown an airplane. (laughs) You couldn't pay me enough money. To get in an airplane. That he was going to (laughs) fly. Believing that he could fly an airplane. Doesn't change truth. Does it? Belief in Jesus is only valuable. Because it's true. Christianity is true. You see, the Bible tells us, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus said that. You die in your sins if you don't believe he be that Jesus is the one, the Messiah. Why? Because Jesus is the Messiah. Somebody asks me, why are you a Christian? You know what my answer is? Because Christianity's true. <laughs> That's why I'm a Christian. Because it's true. Jesus is the son of the living God. That's true. Do you believe that? I hope you do, because that, if you don't believe that, you can't be saved. You can't be right with God. What do you confess? I've talked to people sometimes who didn't want to obey the plan of salvation because they were afraid of confessing. They didn't want to tell their sins in front of everyone. Did you know that's not what the Bible tells you? You have to confess to become a Christian. You know what you have to confess? You have to confess Jesus Christ, therefore, whoever confesses me before me and him will also confess before my father who is in heaven. You confess Jesus, you see, confession means nothing. People lie all the time, don't they? Don't people lie all the time? They'll tell you stuff's true that's not true. They'll tell you they believe stuff they don't believe. Confession's nothing unless what you confess is true. And then it holds power. I confess that I believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Repent. Why do you repent? Why do you repent? You know, AA has helped a lot of people get off alcohol. They really have. A lot of people addicted to alcohol go to AA and they come out not addicted to alcohol. Or at least not actively being a drunk. But the truth is, somebody goes into AA, a drunk, headed for hell... They come out of AA sober, headed for hell. Because AA doesn't save people's souls. AA may help someone who has an addiction learn to control that addiction. They may even help them really dramatically and radically change their life. And I'm not against that. But that doesn't save anyone. What saves people is Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us to repent In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You see, it's not good enough for me to just change my life. Because that doesn't change my stance with God any. I have to change my life because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and in His life for me. Because I believe He is the Son of the living God. That's why I forgive people that I don't want to forgive. That's why I do good deeds when I don't want to do good deeds. That's why I get up and come to church on Sunday, because Jesus is God's Son. And not because, oh man, I just, I don't have anything to do today. Maybe I could find a church to go. That's not why I do that. I do it because Jesus is the Son of God. Why are you baptized? Well, you see, Jesus died on the cross. When He died on the cross, His blood was shed in death. And when you're baptized, you're baptized into the death. And that's where you make contact with them. You all have heard lots of theoretical explanations of the technicalities of how that all works. Do you know why you're baptized? You're baptized in the name of Jesus. You're baptized into Jesus Christ. A few years ago, well, several years ago now, our quartet was traveling. We went and stayed at a place that had a, had a swimming pool, a hotel has had a swimming pool. And all the kids got out there playing in the pool because we didn't have a swimming pool at home. And all of us were out there with all of our kids. And the kids, for some reason, I don't even know who started it, got to baptizing each other. (laughs) And I want you to know, we baptized everyone in that swimming pool over and over. and They had a, a lot of fun playing. Did we save anyone by doing that? No. Why not? Well, no one was being baptized into Jesus. We were just dunking each other in water. That's not... That's not what saves people. It's being baptized into Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus should be the center of everything. You know, all of us in our lives, we've got all kinds of different aspects. And you could divide this pie up into... You know, a thousand slices if you wanted, but I've just divided it into these. you got home, friends, fun, work, morality, all these things. And what so many of us want to do is we want to have those things in our life, and then we want to take Jesus, and we want to add Jesus onto this. And so I've got my morality, and I've got my work, and I've got my home, and I've got my job, and all these things, and I've also got Jesus. And Jesus is just another one of the things that I do in my life, and that I have in my life. Christianity is not that way. You see, Christianity is where Jesus Christ is the center of my life. And Jesus then affects my home. Jesus affects my morality. Jesus is the source of what I do when I work and have fun and run around with my friends and all those things. Jesus is the center of that stuff. I don't have all that stuff. And Jesus... But I've got Jesus Christ and all of the things that I do and places I go and and my life comes out of that, you see. Because Jesus is the center. Look at a couple of things here. Does Jesus have anything to do with your morality? We talked about being a good person. You know, I've been helped by people who had no religious belief at all. Haven't you? Nice people. Done good things for me. Do you do good things? I hope you do. But you see, morality apart from Jesus Christ is empty. It's meaningless. You know this uh, pay for somebody's meal behind you in line thing that they did? There was a a radio station, I think, that kind of got that started. And then when you go through the drive-thru, you pay for your meal. And then you pay for the meal of the people behind you when you get up there. That's great, isn't it? I, and I think that's fine. I had somebody do that for me one time, so I passed it on down the line to people behind me. That makes the world a better place, but they're still going to hell. If they don't know about Jesus, they still are lost. I mean, that's just making this world a more pleasant place. As I heard one guy talking about that, he said it's like greasing the rails of the train headed to hell, making it a smooth ride. It, It's fine and it's good to do good things, but apart from Jesus... They're, they don't have any value long term. For to this were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. You see, I'm to tell the truth because Jesus told the truth. I'm to not take advantage of someone in a business deal because Jesus wouldn't take advantage of someone in a business deal. And I'm to be like him. I attend church because Jesus, when he was here on earth, went and gathered with the fellow believers. That's what he's asked me to do. That's the reason that I do the good things that I do. What about your enemies? Does Jesus have anything to do with how you react to your enemies? Really? Do you have any enemies? People that really don't like you? People that would take advantage of you? Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Do you pray for people who treat you spitefully? Do you bless those who curse you? I'll tell you, that one's hard, isn't it? I mean, somebody curses you, somebody's hateful to you, especially this time of year. Black Friday coming up, right? We go out and people are hateful and rude and mean. And i saw I've been mean, just a down and out fist fight over a camera in the Walmart aisle one time at Black Friday. Crazy. Do you act different because of Jesus? And I said, Well, my mom and daddy raised me that we just be. Well, that's fine. But do you do it because of Jesus? That's what a Christian does. Is we're nice to people and kind and forgiving and helpful because of Jesus to those who mistreat us, to those who wrong us, to those who take advantage of us instead of being justified. Well, you can't put up with that because they'll do it to someone else and you've got to show it. It's not our job to straighten those things out. It's our job to do this because Jesus says to do this. What about your home life? Guys, do you treat your wives right? Are you kind to your wife? Are you loving? Are you generous? Are you thoughtful to your wife? Say, well, I try to be. Why? Well, because if I don't, Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy around. Right? Why? I'll tell you why. For a Christian... The husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I'm supposed to love her the way Jesus loved the church. That's what motivates me to be a picture of Christ loving the church. Wives, do you submit to your husband or do you argue and debate him and fight with him every time he makes a decision? Challenge him? Or do you submit? Why do you submit? Because that's what Jesus said do. He said, submit as Christ is head of the church. Does a church submit to Jesus we're supposed to. And that's why we do what we're supposed to do. What about your attitude? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ's sake has forgiven you or God in Christ forgave you. We do these things. We have a good attitude Hopefully we have a good attitude because not that it serves me, but because that's what Jesus is. What about your assemblies? What we do in the assemblies? How do we decide what we do in church? Well, you know, I look for a church that does this or that. I like some... You know what? We make these decisions based on what the Bible says. He says, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, etc., etc. He says, acknowledge that the things that I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. I don't have a right to just do church however I want, because it's not my church. If I want to start the church of Michael McCorkle, I can do it however I want. But when it's the church of Christ, of Jesus, then have to do whatever he said. Guys, when you preach... Does Jesus have anything to do with your sermons? Or do you just preach about whatever the topic is of the day? Preach a good sermon on bitterness. We don't want to be bitter. Matt preached us a good sermon on bitterness the other day. I was out of town. Hadn't listened to it yet. But I've heard Matt talk about it before. And he's got good teaching on that. Why? Why not be bitter? Does Jesus come into it? He should. The scriptures teach us. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I want to challenge all of you guys who preach. When you preach, preach Jesus. Put Jesus in your sermon. Don't just preach the topic. Don't just preach the idea. But preach the man. Preach Jesus Christ. You see, we've gone through all these. Does Jesus Christ have anything to do with anything in your life? Would your life be the same without him? That's really the central message that I have. Your life should be different because of Jesus. Everything you do should be about serving and following Jesus. It shouldn't be, well, you know, if you live a Christian life, this makes for a better home life. It does, but that's not why you do it. It can make for a better home life sometimes if you keep your mouth shut and don't stand up for Jesus. But that's not why we do what we do. We do what we do because of Jesus Christ. But what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of Of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. He said, I don't count anything valuable except Christ. Nothing. He said, all of its meaningless Uh, educational degree. Jericho's going to college, going to try to get a degree. You know, that's valuable. You got to have a degree to get a good job, or at least it helps, right? Nothing compared to Jesus. Nothing. Good retirement. Eddie's retired. Good retirement's valuable, isn't it? Have a little health coverage and all of that stuff's valuable. Nothing compared to Jesus. Nothing compared to Jesus. Paul says nothing matters compared to Jesus. Um, some of you have already seen or heard this illustration before. But I think it really fits in this idea. You know, I have a friend... Um, that some of you, well, probably none of you have met this friend, but he's a, a very well-known guy. His name is Peter. And he, uh, Peter is a musician. I met him in the 1970s. I was with my dad, and we went to a hospital and to visit a child, and Peter was there playing his guitar and singing to the kids. And, of course, I was a kid. I was probably, you know, 14, 15 years old, something like that. Jacob's age. And we went in and this guy's playing. I go, oh, he's pretty good. You know, that's that's pretty interesting. And then he played a song that I knew, actually a song that he wrote. It was Puff the Magic Dragon. Now, if you're 50 or older, you probably know of the song Puff the Magic Dragon, right? Uh, Some of you that are younger may or may not know that song. It's a great song if you ever get a chance to hear it. This guy was a part of the music group Peter, Paul and Mary. And they were very, very popular back in the 60s and early 70s. They had a lot of big hits. And anytime you see the Time Life, you know, they're selling CDs of old music. They're going to sing some songs. They're going to have some Peter, Paul, and Mary there. And every time I see one of those, I think about the time I met Peter Yarrow. You know, I met him. He he played the songs. I stood there and visited with him. Then we went and talked to the person we came to visit at the hospital. We went out in the lobby and he was still there. And my dad and I stood there and visited with him. And dad said, oh, you need a ride somewhere? And he goes, no, thank you. I don't need a ride. But, I mean, I kind of got to know the guy. And every time I see him anywhere or hear any of his music, I say, I know that guy. I know that guy. And I tell people that. In fact... Through the magic of Photoshop, I even have a picture of myself with that guy. (laughs) Okay. Now, if you were to leave here somewhere or another, and you were to go find Peter Yarrow or call him on the phone or something, go dude, I was in Denton the other day and Michael was talking about that time y'all met in Oklahoma City at that that hospital and he was telling about that. You know what he's going to say to you? He's going to say, Michael, who? (laughs) He has no idea who I am. I met him, but he wouldn't know me from a man in the moon. He has no idea who I am. Now, There is another guy, though, that I know. That's where that other picture came from. You see that guy right there in the middle? I know that guy. That guy's my dad. That guy is the one that took me to meet Peter Yarrow that time. He's the guy that I've traveled thousands of miles with. I've spent countless hours with. He's the guy that bent me over his knee and spanked my bottom when I was a kid. He's the guy. I, I I can tell you about my dad. I can tell you what he likes, what he doesn't like. I can tell you his failures and his weaknesses, and I can tell you his strengths. I can tell you all about him because he's my dad. We have a relationship. And if you call my dad and you say, hey, I was at church in Denton today and Michael was talking about you. He's not going to say Michael who because he knows because we have a relationship. Now, there's lots of people in America who are that way about Jesus. They'll. Somebody will tell them about Jesus. They'll hear about Jesus. They may even say a prayer and ask Jesus into their heart. And they'll spend the rest of their life when somebody brings up Jesus. Go, I know that guy. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I know that guy. When the truth is, from that point on, their only real relationship to Jesus is when they occasionally go to church. And if the preacher's long, they're bored and they're sleeping. And that's not a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus talked about this. Jesus said this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? They used the name of Jesus. They said, I knew a lady one time. Every time someone sneezed, she would say, praise Jesus. You know, we say, we say, God bless you. She she was more holy. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Every time somebody sneezed, praise Jesus. It was just words. It was just words. This woman didn't make any pretense in her life of really following Jesus. She said that all the time. You know what Jesus said to these people? Then I will say to them or declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Same thing Peter Yarrow would tell you about me. I don't know who it is. I don't know who that guy is. Jesus is what Christianity is about. And as I close this sermon, I want to ask you, is Jesus relevant to you? Does Jesus have anything to do with what you do at your job every day or what you do at home or how you live? If he doesn't, He needs to. You need to think about Jesus every day. I mean, we're going right into the Christmas season. There's all going to be all this stuff. You'll see Jesus is the reason for the season, right? You're going to see that around. Use that as a reminder to remind you to think about Jesus. And I don't think Jesus is all about Christmas gifts and trees and lights and all of that. But I do know you can use that to remind yourself to think about Jesus. I want to challenge you this week. As you go about this week. Every day, think about Jesus. Can you do that? And I say, whew, boy, that'd be kind of hard. Make a note. Hang it on your rearview mirror or on your bathroom mirror or something. Remind yourself every day, think about Jesus Christ. So where do you stand On Jesus. I'm going to tell you. I believe Jesus is the son of the living God. The only son of the living God. I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe Jesus is the only solution. To our problem of sin. And I hope you do too. You can be right with God today. But Jesus has to matter to you. You don't get right with God. By being in the right building. With the right people. Doing the right things. You get right with God by having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. By thinking about him and serving him and loving him and following him and believing in him. That's what makes us right with God. And I urge and encourage you to do that today. If there's some way we can assist you in that, we offer a song of invitation. If you'll make your need known by coming to the front while we stand and sing.